2: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Locked on. Locked on. Locked,
1: Locked. Locked on. Locked. Locked. Locked on. Locked on. Cowboy. Locked on. Locked on.
3: Welcome in to an episode of both Locked on Ravens and Locked on Cowboys. This is Kevin Ostreicher of Locked on Ravens here with Marcus Mosher of Locked on Cowboys. And the Ravens are facing a quick turnaround here, Marcus, against the Dallas Cowboys team that is actually
1: still in contention for the NFC East title. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I think we, before we talk about this cowboys uh, Ravens game we we should just for a minute talk about our mutual hate for the Pittsburgh Steelers right <laughs> I mean I I know as a Baltimore fan you've got to just loathe playing the Steelers uh and then as somebody who lives in Steeler country fans are just the the absolute worst so I listen I I can completely emphasize with you Kevin on how much it sucks to come off one of those tough losses you know on Wednesday night football
3: it yeah it, it is tough in Pittsburgh You know they're undefeated for a reason, but it's safe to question. You know, should this team really be undefeated? They've done what they should to win these games. They're eleven and zero, and their defense is obviously one of the best in the NFL. Although they did lose Bud Dupree for the season, it seems like this this is just a situation. Though it's been a really rough week and a half or so for Baltimore now, and now they're kind of welcoming the Cowboys into the fray with the potential of look, are there more positive tests coming out of this game? Oh. Geno stone for the ravens the ravens found out on the plane to pittsburgh that a player who had been practicing with them over the last two days in the walkthroughs before leading up to the pittsburgh game had tested positive so if there are any more positives on either side it, it, it might make for another crazy week for both baltimore and dallas but yeah the whole handling of it by the ravens obviously a coach reportedly did not follow protocol and that's on the ravens but I would have liked to see the NFL make sure the outbreak was actually contained before the game happened, but the Ravens put up a fight and they ended up playing a close one to the only undefeated team currently in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I think with Baltimore having what, 20 guys out of this game and a lot of guys that were, you know, the best players at their position with Lamar Jackson, the two running backs, you know, Mark Andrews, Ronnie Stanley, obviously because of the injury early on in the season. And then all the defensive linemen between, you know, Judon and Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams. The fact that that game was as tight as it was, you know, the Baltimore had a chance to get the ball back and win that game late, you know, and it just didn't work out. But I listen, kudos to, to Harbaugh and that staff. I thought they, they, they had, you know, they really played well considering they were on to their third quarterback. And I don't know how many offensive linemen combinations they're at now.
3: Yeah, it's it's been a rough, again, a, a rough week and a half in terms of just, just the personnel Baltimore had. And leading into this Dallas game now, Marcus, I believe the only Ravens who will not be eligible eligible to play in this one for Baltimore are going to be Mark Andrews, Willie Sneed, Matthew Judon, and Geno Stone. I've honestly lost track of days. So <laughs> it's, it's a little tough to say, but I know Lamar Jackson is eligible to come back for this one. Um, the Ravens will most likely get their two centers back Clayus Campbell will be eligible. Brandon Williams, he healthy enough. If if he's healthy enough, he'll be able to play Mm -hmm. in this one. But Marcus, I do want to start with you and ask you some questions about this Dallas Cowboys team. And really, when you think of these two teams, both had very, very high expectations coming into this year. Dallas drafting CeeDee Lamb in the first round, a target for many Ravens fans. And there were rumors that if the Cowboys passed on him, the Ravens would make a move up and select him. But this offense for the Dallas Cowboys. Really, it's either make or break. And with the Cowboys right now, Dak Prescott, obviously the big story here is he goes down with a gruesome, gruesome injury out for the season. Marcus, what has this season been like for the Cowboys on offense?
1: Miserable. I mean, it's just kind of like 2020, right? It's just not a lot of fun. Uh, Obviously, the Prescott injury was devastating because They've had a bunch of other injuries on the offensive line, but you felt like as long as Dak was there, he gave gives you a shot to win any single game, and with those receivers, they could score 35 points in any game. When he went down, this whole offense just sunk, right? No Tyron Smith, no Lyle Collins, Zach Martin got hurt, Travis Frederick retired in the offseason. Uh, their backup offensive tackles are hurt. They're down to their fifth and st- sixth uh, offensive tackles on the season. It's just been rough, and there's we're getting to the point now where it's hard to even find things to be excited about going into this game. I mean, literally, Kevin, one of the things that we've talked about the last couple of weeks on this podcast is, well, at least we get to watch Tyler Biotis, the Cowboys' fourth round center play, and watch him develop. He hurts his hamstring in warmups and is now on the injured reserve list. So just not a lot for the Cowboys here to be excited about.
3: Yeah, it, it has been rough. And, you know, as we've seen, as we saw with the Ravens, it's tough to go out there and play good football when your star quarterback goes down, whether it be injury, whether it be the coronavirus. It's you know, deflating, it, It's though. rough. It's incredibly yeah. deflating. Right. And it's, some, it's someone where you place so much hope in, in the guy, whether it be Prescott, Lamar Jackson, whoever. You know, Dak Prescott, to me, is a top-ten quarterback in this league. I know people... Don't respect that Prescott as much as I think people should. It's the Mm -hmm. same thing with Lamar Jackson. But he showed throughout the course of the few games he played. I mean, he threw for nine touchdowns. He had four interceptions, but threw for 1,856 yards. This this Cowboys offense had a a real chance to be lethal. And without Prescott, they've had to rely on guys like Andy Dalton, Ben DiNucci, Garrett Gilbert. Played a nice game against Pittsburgh. But it's just not the same as having your star out there. And one star who has been available for the Dallas Cowboys on offense is Ezekiel Elliott. And I don't think it's been a great year for Hmm. Mr. Zeke. You know, the yards per carry average is down 3.9. He's rushed 181 times for 707 yards. But we've seen fumbles plague him throughout this year. Drops have been an issue. What's going on with Ezekiel Elliott right now in Dallas?
1: So all of the Locked on Cowboys listeners that are listening to this right now are probably either they're shaking their head knowing what I'm about to say or they're rolling their eyes because we talk about Zeke a lot in this Locked on Cowboys podcast. And, you know, I wasn't a fan of them drafting Elliot. I was even less of a fan of them giving him a long term contract extension this is what happens to running backs, Kevin. They get a ton of wear and tear on them between college and the NFL. They take a ton of hits and when the quarterback situation isn't great and the offensive line deteriorates, the running back's production goes down. And it's not really Ezekiel Elliott's fault, but at the same time, this is why you don't pay running backs. It's because, you know, they're they're so dependent on what's happening in front of them. Uh, Elliott has lost all of his long speed. He has just one 20-yard run on the year. He also fumbled on that carry. Uh, He leads the NFL in fumbles over the last three years. He leads the league in fumbles over the last two years. He leads the league in fumbles this season. Uh, He's As a pass catcher, he drops a lot of passes that he probably shouldn't. He's just not playing well. I think he's in his own head a little bit, and the circumstances and the situation has changed around him. And that all is factored into his uh, his lack of production this year.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And the Ravens kind of go with the strategy of, look, we're not going to give big money to a running back, you know, over the last few years, at least that is, they were able to bring in Mark Ingram on a great three year, $15 million deal, had a great first season last year, has not been that great this season, but they go and draft JK Dobbins in the second round. They have Gus Edwards who is a great back, and same thing with Justice Hill. They don't want to necessarily commit that big money to a running back, and it seems like, you mentioned it, Marcus, the wear and tear that running backs get, Mm -hmm. it just, by the time they turn 26, 27, even 28, it just starts to really show, and for Ezekiel Elliott, it's starting to show more and more this season. But, Marcus, I do want to talk to you a bit about the draft selection of C.D. Lamb, because I know a lot of people were probably saying stuff along the lines of, What the Cowboys have Amari Cooper, they already have Michael Gallup. Why is CeeDee Lamb the pick here? And so far, I think CeeDee Lamb has played really well. We've seen a couple of spectacular catches from him. On 81 targets, he has 53 receptions for 650 yards and four touchdowns. So how good of a draft pick right now has CeeDee Lamb been? It's a little early to kind of label a boom or bust on him, but how good has he been so far?
1: he's been excellent. And just like the rest of the offense, he's seen a pretty significant drop since Dak Prescott went out and you would expect that he's now played with Andy Dalton, Garrett Gilbert, Ben DiNucci. Uh, the passing volume is just lower. The, the targets are becoming shorter, you know, with Prescott, I I really thought lamb was already turning into one of the best slot receivers in the league because his ability to go down the seam and make, contested catches you know in the air and make plays after the catch made him so difficult to stop now that he's playing with Andy dalton and dalton can't really stretch the seam at all he's turned into more of a, a possession receiver but long term there's still a lot to like about cd lamb uh we know what the potential is we know what the ceiling is uh, i think he's still likely going to get close to a thousand yards this season uh probably going to score seven eight touchdowns uh he he's a superstar and I can't wait to see what he looks like uh, when the Cowboys get back their elite quarterback.
3: Yeah, a- absolutely. CeeDee Lamb was deemed by most in Baltimore as somewhat it's a what could have been. You know, Marquise mm-hmm. Brown in Baltimore has struggled and the Ravens receiving core really hasn't been able to get a lot going, and former cowboy Des Bryant's in that fray now too. But, you know, CeeDee Lamb was somebody who the Ravens definitely did want, and he's doing phenomenal for Dallas so far this season. But Marcus, my final question for you before we head into this first break has to be about this Dallas Cowboy defense. It's been what I think one of the big flaws of this team just in general. They've had trouble tackling. Jalen Smith has been a big culprit of that. Leads this team with 101 tackles still with five games remaining. But again it just seems like the defense hasn't been what a lot of people expected so far this season. So what is your been ov- what is your overall analysis of this Dallas Cowboys defense so far and can it get better as the season goes on?
1: I actually don't think the defense has been anything surprising. You know, going into the year we knew this Cowboys defense wasn't going to be a top 10 unit. We were just hoping to see signs of growth as the season went along because, you know, they lost a lot of talent on that side of the ball, but the offense was going to be so good. All they needed to do was get a few stops each half, get a couple turnovers, and they, they've done their job. We've seen them play better over the last month. Uh, but as the injuries continue to mount up, especially in their secondary, uh, this defense, it can get exposed. We saw last week. Uh, At one point, the Cowboys were without their top five cornerbacks against Washington. Uh, Jordan Lewis was the only one left. They picked up guys uh, on a short week and put them right onto the field. The secondary is just not very good right now. And I know Baltimore's passing game has been a little bit suspect this year. I do think they're going to be able to hit some big plays against this Cowboys defense uh, on Monday, Tuesday, whenever we play this game.
3: Yeah, that's the big question whenever we do play this game, but this is something that the Ravens have to take advantage of, I believe. And again, Lamar Jackson is going to be eligible to play in this one. And hopefully he does get the nod because what Baltimore was dealing with at quarterback against Pittsburgh was was not ideal. But yeah, the Ravens, their pass offense has not been phenomenal this year. But again, this is a matchup that Baltimore can potentially exploit. We're going to head into our first break here. and When we get back, we're going to be flipping the script, and Marcus is going to be asking me questions about the Ravens, so stay tuned for that, and we will be right back.
1: Just wanted to take a quick break to tell you guys about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar out there. It's hard to even explain it. It's real chocolate with amazing flavors and a great combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar with no crazy additives. Best of all, they taste fantastic, and they are releasing six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, and apple almond crisp. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code locked on, and you'll get 20% off your first box. Again, that is at BuiltBar.com. I also wanted to let you guys know that we're going to be having a bunch of new shows coming up. Uh, We're going to be talking about the Cowboys-Ravens game with Landon. Uh, We will do that on Friday. We'll be answering more of your Twitter questions next week. Uh, It's going to be a crazy week with the Cowboys playing on Tuesday, uh, but we'll have you prepared for that game. We'll talk about what happened in the NFL in week 13. So make sure you guys are downloading the Locked on Cowboys podcast, subscribe to it at Locked on Cowboys on Twitter. uh, And we will see more uh, of Landon and I then. All right, Kevin, we are here talking about this Cowboys Ravens matchup and we got a lot of different things to talk about. We're going to try to stay away from the COVID stuff because that's just too depressing. Uh, let's talk about what's what's going on in the field, and I think we have to talk about Des Bryant. I know my listeners really want to know about Des. How has he looked in Baltimore? Now I know <laughs> the quarterback situation the last couple of weeks has been up and down, but uh, what have you been? You know, what what have your thoughts on Des been so far? Yeah,
3: I think that Des Bryant was a home run signing for this Baltimore Ravens team. Now the Ravens pass catchers they've struggled throughout the entire season. They went into this year with De'Anthony Thomas as the veteran in the room. Willie Sneed also, they're both 27 years old. So being able to bring in a guy like Des Bryant, who worked out with the team in August, they ended up not signing him there, but were probably like, look, if if we have a place down the line for you, we'd be happy to have you. The reports out of Baltimore that Bryant did not perform great in that physical. He reportedly was you know, very tired afterwards. And Baltimore kind of has a, a streak of making sure their physicals are super hard because, you know, there's a, there's a high standard for Baltimore Ravens players, but the Ravens go out, they signed Des Bryant. And the Ravens passing offense in general, if you're a wide receiver in it, you're probably not going to get a lot of looks. Baltimore's passing offense generally runs through the tight ends and running backs. The Ravens offense in general is a rushing offense, a very run-heavy offense. So Des Bryant coming in, he he knew that, look, his role, he wasn't going to be asked to go out there and put up 1,000 yards, score 10 touchdowns. He was going to be asked to be a veteran in the locker room, to go out there and just play good football. And so far, he's done that. The stats for him have not been very gaudy in his two games. He's had four receptions for 28 yards. All four of those came against the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. But he's been really, really good just from a perspective of going out and mentoring those guys. And it's the stuff you don't see on the football field. It's the stuff that goes on under the radar. Bryant didn't have a reception in the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But this is somebody who down the line as we go into Dallas, as as the Baltimore Ravens go in to play Cleveland and, and these other games down the line, he's somebody who I think is going to just get more and more involved with the offense as he gets more and more familiar with the playbook. So, so far, Marcus, it's been great.
1: I know Cowboy fans who are especially embracing this soft tank that we're going through this year. They're really looking forward to seeing Dez play uh, against the Cowboys. They want him to do well. I think a lot of people even wanted to see him score you know, a touchdown against the Cowboys. So um, we're excited to have Dez back in our lives. It's just it, football is way more fun uh, when he's on the field. Let's talk a little bit about Lamar. Um, obviously, he didn't play against the Steelers in Week 12. Uh, he's been a bit up and down this season. What is the biggest reason, Kevin, that we haven't seen growth from him as a passer? Is it Greg Roman's offense? They're just not you know, advancing enough. Is it the receivers? Is it the offensive line where they've had a ton, ton of injuries? Um, what are your thoughts there?
3: Yeah, Marcus, I think the growth of Lamar Jackson, I mean, we saw the incredible growth from year one to year two. And so people were definitely expecting a similar jump year two to year three. Now, obviously, how much more can you expect from a guy who won the league MVP, had a total of 43 touchdowns, there was an expected statistical drop off from I think a lot of people in Baltimore. So when you look at his stats right now, you see 1,948 yards passing, you see the 15 touchdowns, six interceptions, he does lead the team with 575 rushing yards. But I think I think a big emphasis for Lamar Jackson in the offseason was to improve on his deep throws and to improve on throws to the sideline. Mm -hmm. And what we've seen so far in 2020, we haven't seen a bunch of success there. And part of it comes down to just pure execution. He's definitely missed a few people. He hasn't been able to read the field as well as I think a lot of people were expecting him to this season. He has won the Ravens a lot of games, but he definitely lost them a few as well. And I think one of those games that you can put front and center is the one against the Pittsburgh Steelers back a few weeks ago at home in Baltimore through a pick six on the opening drive through another pick in the first possession of the second half and had another turnover on a fumble in the red zone. So for Jackson, the Ravens right now. They are providing him with, I think, the weapons that he needs to be successful. It's it's not all Lamar Jackson's fault. But some of the blame does have to go on him because, look, the execution, it just hasn't been there uh, from a perspective of throwing the football. And even with the Ravens, I mean, if you take a look at this offense, the running back room is probably the most uh, quote-unquote stacked position on this offense. You have J.K. Dobbins, who's been great this year, Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram, who's actually had a bit of a down year, and then Justice Hill as well. But – I mean, the Ravens right now, arguably have a bottom five wide receiver core. Des mm-hmm. Bryant is in there, but Marquise Brown has failed to take a second-year leap. Miles Boykin has failed to do the same thing. Willie Sneed has been their number one receiver, and when your number one receiver is Willie Sneed, I think that's a problem in itself. So, the Ravens go and they trade away Hayden Hurst, who was a big part of their offense, and the Ravens lose those three tight end sets, which they valued so much in 2019. Mark Andrews has been great for them, 454 receiving yards. Devin Duvernay and James Perche haven't gotten a a a lot of time. Lamar Jackson also just does not does not have a line protecting him. They lose their all pro in Ronnie Stanley at left tackle. They have to move right tackle Orlando Brown to the left side. EJ Fluker has been one of the worst tackles in the league this season. The Ravens then go and lose Nick Boyle, the best blocking tight end in the mm-hmm. league. So the Ravens are pretty much having to change their offense weekly, to just work around the injuries. And for any young quarterback, I think it's really tough because you see what the Bills did for Josh Allen. Go out and acquire Stephon Diggs. You see what the Cardinals did for Kyler Murray, they go out and acquire DeAndre Hopkins. Baltimore needs to go out and even if this is a run-first offense, they need to give Lamar Jackson more weapons. So Marcus, the blame definitely is going to fall on Lamar Jackson in some instances, but I wouldn't put all of it on him.
1: It's just the nature of the quarterback position, right? You, you have to cover up for so many other flaws, and if you don't, uh, you get blamed. Uh, we're used to that here at Dallas with Dak Prescott and with Tony Romo over the last decade. Uh, so I completely understand that. Um, last question, Kevin, and this is more from it, an outsider's perspective. Because, again, I hate the Steelers, so I'm always rooting for the Ravens and anybody else in the AFC North to get ahead of them and try to get them a loss. But while I, I'm trying to think about how I want to phrase this. I I expected Baltimore's defense to be dominant this season. You know, when they acquired, uh, you know, Calais Campbell, uh, Matt Judon came back, they traded for Yannick Nagakwe. I thought this would be, you know, just a fantastic defense. And unfortunately, there's been some games against good opponents where they just haven't quite been that, you know, against Kansas City. They gave up 34 points against the Eagles. They gave up 28 points against Pittsburgh earlier this year, 28 against Tennessee, 30. Is it fair to be a little bit underwhelmed by this defense this season? Yeah, sure. I definitely think that's a
3: valid argument, Marcus. It's It's been a little bit tough for Baltimore on the defensive side of the ball this season. Now, their defense was spectacular early in the season. They were forcing turnovers, stopping the run, and the Ravens were actually one of the best run-defending units in the entire league until both Clayas Campbell and Brandon Williams mm-hmm. went down with injury. And the, the long— the. Tale as old as time, or at least as long as Brandon Williams has been in a Ravens uniform, is that if Brandon Williams is not in the game, the Ravens are going to struggle giving up yards on the ground. And that's always just been how it is. And with Williams missing a few games here and also having Campbell out, it's been really tough. But Don Martindale and his defensive scheme, he loves, loves bringing blitzes in ways that you can never imagine. He'll The first game of the season, first possession for this defense, he dropped Class Campbell into coverage, who's like a 6'8", 300-pound behemoth, dropped back into coverage and almost picked off Baker Mayfield. So he'll bring corners on blitzes. He'll bring safeties on blitzes. He'll do everything in his power to get pressure on the quarterback. But the Ravens this season, and it honestly goes back a few years, even with bringing five, six, even seven guys, They've struggled to actually get pressure on the quarterback, to get the quarterback down. We saw it against Pittsburgh on Wednesday. The Ravens started to bring blitzes, and there were guys taking the same rush lanes. There were guys just running past the quarterback. And when you allow quarterbacks to get into these situations where you have receivers one-on-one with guys, corners just can't cover that long in the NFL, regardless of how good they are. Coming into the season, the big thing with the Ravens' defense and all the hype surrounding it was, all right, look, these quarterbacks are going to have to decide because the Ravens are going to be getting pressure with Campbell and with Matthew Judon, and now they're bringing in Gokwe. They're going to get pressure, so they have to decide are they going to take the sack, or are they going to throw it into a pretty elite Ravens secondary that boasts Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters, and Jimmy Smith was there, who Jimmy Smith is now. There's a groin injury with him. We don't know Mm -hmm. his status yet, but the Ravens, Haven't been a great team in terms of sacks. They got a lot of their production from Joe Burrow, from Carson Wentz in that Eagles offensive line. So it's been difficult because the Ravens secondary is being asked to cover up for the flaw of sometimes the Ravens just flat out do not get pressure. Part of it is also the fact they've played a lot of quick hitting offenses lately. The Steelers are the quickest hitting offense in the league. Indianapolis is one as well. And Baltimore plays a ton of off coverage. And against teams who play off coverage, quick-hitting offenses will take the short stuff, drive down the field on you, and bank on their red zone success. And even with bad red zone success, the Steelers still beat them because the Ravens' offense was not there. So the defense, it's been a little disappointing, Marcus, but with getting all these guys back, hopefully it'll spark something.
1: Yeah, they shouldn't have a problem slowing down the Cowboys on uh, Tuesday. But just real quick story on Brandon Williams. I remember seeing him at the Senior Bowl, and you know this guy is like 6'2", 330 pounds, maybe more than that. And I was, you know, you you think, how in the world can this guy be that effective at that body type? And uh, he's made it quite a career being as good as he has been against the run. He's somebody, again, going back to the Pittsburgh stuff, always played so well against the Steelers. So it was a bummer not to have him in this game, but it's unfortunate. Uh, We'll be right back. We're going to talk about some predictions for this game and close out the show.
0: Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state.
1: All right, Kevin, let's do my favorite part of the week, making predictions. Uh, We're doing this really early. We have no idea which guys are going to be in and out of the lineup. Uh, So this is probably reckless, but we're going to do it anyways. Who do you have winning this game and why?
3: You know, Marcus, I love being a little reckless. You you have to be bold in, in this industry. And I think I'm going to do that, but not with my final score prediction. I'm going to say the Ravens end up winning this game. And the reason I say that, I think it's because the Ravens are going to get back so many of their guys. Yeah. The one way I can see Baltimore losing this game is because the guys just won't have a lot of reps in practice. Lamar Jackson is going to be off this list. I think with two or three days left before the game is actually played. If the game is actually played on the day it's supposed to be played, which at the time of this recording is Tuesday, I think. I don't even know my days anymore. Um, there's there's a lot to look at with this Ravens team. They go up against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the lone undefeated team in elite defense. The offense obviously struggles with Robert Griffin the third in there. Trace McSorley comes in, tries to salvage it. But my big takeaway from that game was – this Ravens offense, the success is tied to Lamar Jackson. You know, that's a pretty obvious take. But there's just so much that he brings to the table, both as a runner and a passer. Mm-hmm. And watching Robert Griffin the third play in that game against Pittsburgh, it's really shown me how much Lamar Jackson has grown, both as a runner and as a passer. So in this one, he'll be missing Mark Andrews. He'll be missing Willie Sneed. But again, I think this is a game where the Ravens have to exploit Dallas's defense, The Ravens' defense, they can hold their own. Again, a little disappointing overall, but if they're able to put pressure on Andy Dalton, if they're able to take away the Cowboys' pass game and put it in the hands of Ezekiel Elliott, who has not been phenomenal this year, that's a formula for success. What Baltimore's going to try to do, I think, Marcus, is what they've been trying to do all season, which is get out of this game as quickly as possible by running the football effectively. J.K. Dobbins, I mentioned him a little earlier. He's been phenomenal for Baltimore this season. And Baltimore's just kind of finding out how to use him. They were kind of force-feeding the ball to Mark Ingram a bit, Gus Edwards. But Dobbins has this, you know, elite balance to him. He's able to bowling ball off of defenders. He reminds someone of an almost on the field, Ray Rice in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So for the Ravens being able to utilize him, being able to get the change of pace in there with Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram, that's going to be a big, big key and then obviously passing in certain spots. The run game goes hand in hand with the pass game. The pass game goes hand in hand with the run game. I'll, I'll go back to the Steelers once again. The Steelers were not threatened by Lamar or by Robert Griffin the third, Excuse me, and Trace McSorley. They were stacking the box with eight man boxes, nine man boxes, taking away the Ravens run game and making them pass the football, which they should have done because the Ravens weren't passing the football effectively. So if the Ravens can run the ball effectively as well as pass it effectively, that's the formula for success for this team. So I'll say the Ravens win this one. It'll probably be a sloppy game just because they're getting so many guys back and they're probably not going to have a ton of practice time before the game. But I'll say Baltimore ends up winning this one. Uh, I'll go with 27 to 20.
1: 20 points. I'm just trying to envision how the Cowboys can score 20 (laughs) points in this game. So Dallas has exactly one offensive lineman uh, from week 10 that will be starting in this game, and that's Connor Williams. Uh, Two undrafted free agent uh, tackles a third-round guard who is making, I believe, his third start of his career at right guard, a undrafted free agent center. Um, And then you've got Andy Dalton, who has a career quarterback rating of 76 against Baltimore. Um, Yeah, I I just don't see how the Cowboys are going to score many points. Baltimore may come out a little sluggish on offense. We know you mentioned all the passing options that are going to be out. Uh, If they can score 20 points in this game, 23 points, uh, they should have no problem winning at all. I do look for this to be close because I do think, and it's just been a busy you know, couple weeks for Baltimore, would not be surprised if they come out a little flat. Uh, but expect Baltimore with their coaching staff, with their special teams unit, which is still very good, uh, to find a way to win this game. All right, Kevin, tell the people where they can find you on Twitter and the podcast. Absolutely,
3: Marcus. It, my Twitter handle is at Chaos Record Thirty Four. That's my personal account. You can follow me there for any Ravens updates you might need, and I'll be certainly putting my opinions out there for this Dallas game. Then you can also find me writing for Ravens Wire and also the podcast. Twitter is at Locked On Ravens,
1: and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. You can follow my co-host Landon McCool at McCool BCB. And as always, you can follow the Locked on Cowboys podcast on Twitter at Locked on Cowboys. Kevin, we will see you next time. Enjoy the game uh, and be good, buddy. Absolutely. Thanks, Marcus. You too.
2: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked on NFL Scouting Podcast.